With limited draft capital at the team's disposal, the Dolphins have added nearly two dozen undrafted free agents to their offseason roster. What are some of the early impressions of that group? I'm glad you asked. That is our discussion today here on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of Locked on NFL Scouting. You can find all of our shows here on the Locked on Network on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Want to give a special shout out to our everydayers here on the Locked on Network who are dialed in every day because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network and daily here for me in the immediate aftermath of the 2023 NFL Draft is I have been working through this undrafted crop of free agents for the Dolphins. There's about two dozen total rookies that the Dolphins have added to their offseason roster and that is on top of what was just or, or and that is including just four draft selections, a second round pick in cornerback Cam Smith, a third round pick in running back Devon A-Chain, a sixth-round pick in wide receiver tight end hybrid Elijah uh, Higgins, and then Ryan Hayes, the offensive lineman from Michigan with the seventh round. What I have been doing is a continuation of our pre-draft process and getting ready for the 2023 NFL Draft, where you're looking at these players and you're putting them through a grading scale based on traits that are prioritized to play within the Dolphin system. And uh, these undrafted free agents are getting grades, effectively draft grades, in the same way that the prospects were getting graded before the NFL draft. And the objective is to try to identify where Miami got their best value, what undrafted free agents potentially have a realistic chance of actually making the Dolphins 53-man roster, and going from there. Because with the Dolphins roster being in the state in which it is, there's only really a handful of roster spots that are going to be available for competition to rookies in any capacity. Case in point, why Cam Smith drafted corner, Devon A-Chain running back. It, it puts players like, uh, let's say, Noig Benogany or Miles Gaskin, in a very precarious position, never mind undrafted free agents. So you have to be, have a really special intersection, in my mind, to be an undrafted free agent that walks onto the Dolphins roster and ends up making this 53. Because that that is front and center for all NFL franchises throughout this course in time. Case in point, the San Francisco 49ers justified drafting a kicker in the third round, whether that was good value or bad value, because it was the only starting spot on their roster they felt they needed to have filled. So for these undrafted free agents, you're looking to spur on some competition. Now, the players that I've looked at, you have Jared Horst from Michigan State, offensive tackle. You have DJ Scaife Jr., University of Miami, uh, guard tackle potential, Alex Jensen from South Dakota. Uh, and, and then you have a couple edge guys like Ezekiel Vandenberg from Illinois State, a highly productive FCS player. Garrett Nelson, another edge player, hybrid type from Nebraska. You have a quarterback in Julian Blackman, a tight end in Julian Hill. 
James Blackman, excuse me, from Arkansas State, formerly of Florida State, a quarterback. Julian Hill, tight end from Campbell University. Christopher Brooks at running back, 230-pound back, a little different flavor there at the running back position. Aubrey Miller, linebacker from Jackson State. Uh, Daywood Davis, wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Uh, Chris Coleman, the Cal Poly wide receiver. I've also had a chance to watch Brandon Peely, defensive tackle from USC. All in all, I've, I've watched about a dozen of these UDFAs to this point in time. I still have a couple guys left to go, but I wanted to kind of touch base on where we're at with the undrafted free agent crop and, and who I think actually has a decent chance to make this team. I will say this, the vast majority, eight, nine, excuse me, nine of these players that I have watched graded out as undrafted free agent grades. So it's not surprising that they were left available at the end of seven rounds. It's not surprising that they're getting UDFA deals. You would expect their ceiling to be lower. You know, they're a little bit less intriguing long-term, but there are a handful of players that graded out with fringe draftable grades. And I think that margin for the Dolphins is an exciting opportunity to kind of find some headway. And winning in the margins is something that I've seen referred to by a number of people in the space talking about, how winning teams end up staying winning. And winning in the margins for the Dolphins has been waiver wire claims and undrafted free agency when you consider Cater Kohu. Zach Sealer was a waiver claim for the Dolphins. You have Robert Jones, who was a waiver claim. You have Nick Needham, who was, a, or was an undrafted free agent. Robert Jones and Nick Needham, who was an undrafted free agent. There is some... Nice wins for the Dolphins in this chapter, and that's kind of why I've spent as much time as I had here in, in trying to identify who is the next potential nice win for Miami. So we're going to start over on the offensive side of the ball, and I just want to acknowledge who I think these potential standouts are. Christopher Brooks, running back from BYU, is one that stood out to me. Very explosive player for his stature. Now, he doesn't have great long speed, Okay. He ran about a 4.6 in the 40-yard dash, but he's playing at 230 pounds. He was previously at University of Cal, transferred to BYU for one season. He's had a couple productive seasons of rushing performance. He's got excellent ball security. He's one career fumble at the college level. 37-inch vertical jump. So you, you, you see that power in the lower half as a runner between the tackles. He will move piles. And for a bigger body back, which is not really a strength of the Dolphins, he runs like Jeff Wilson, but he's bigger than Jeff Wilson. Now, all of the peripheral elements of playing the position, the passing game, pass protection, those are not strengths right now for Christopher Brooks. So I still think there is an uphill climb. But if you told me that this was a player who ended up getting stashed on the practice squad and got called up and had some short yardage success for Miami this year, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he has that kind of skill set. Now, we'll obviously see what happens with Dalvin Cook and, and the rumors that have been so persistent there at the running back position. Another standout for me offensively was, was Julian Hill, the Campbell tight end. It's about 250 pounds, uh, really, really natural ball skills. He's a former quarterback at high school, so he, he went to Campbell and transitioned to tight end and had a big blow up this year. He averaged a very healthy yards per catch average for Campbell. 
You don't really know what the route running is going to look like. You don't really know what the blocking is going to look like at the NFL level, but you can very clearly see a receiving skill set here and some run-after-catch opportunities that really popped off the screen to me. And for the Dolphins, knowing kind of what their blueprint is at tight end as they have continued to reveal it to us by drafting Elijah Higgins in, in the fifth, sixth round and signing Eric Saubert in free agency and not going after the traditional inline type player, this is that same kind of cat. And I think that he is a stash in play. I think he'll be interesting competition for Tanner Connor. I'm not saying he's going to beat Tanner Connor. Obviously, Tanner Connor has made it sound as though the communication to him was he's further along with his individual development than the team anticipated. And he's probably going to get some looks that way in that regard. But Christopher Brooks and Julian Hill were the two significant standouts. James Blackman, uh, the quarterback, some really nice throws on his tape. He's tough as heck, too. Uh, but he's 190, 6'5", 190 pounds. And he was like in the 160s when he first started playing at FSU. He's been in college for six years now. I think there's a little bit of a glass ceiling on him as a developmental type quarterback. I think he's a nice practice squad type quarterback. Uh, you see some overlap with, with what they did at Arkansas State with the RPOs and the glance routes and work stuff over the middle and trying to throw with some timing with ball handling and mesh. And I see why he's the kind of player that was brought in. But I just think from a stature perspective, from a, a physical maturity perspective versus uh, the lack of, of really taking that step to be a legitimate pro prospect, I think there's a little bit of glass ceiling there. But those were amongst the offensive players that I watched. The standouts. I was hoping to see more juice from Jarrett Horst. I was hoping to see more dominance from Alex Jensen, a horse from Michigan State. Uh, pretty sturdy in the run game, plays with a really tough tenacity, but as far as stickiness and physical skills, I just don't think that there's there's quite enough there. He tested as a below average athlete, and I think that shows up on tape. Uh, Jensen is a former tight end at, for, at South Dakota who has put on, it's like, 70 pounds he's put on his frame since he got to South Dakota and transitioned from tight end. So you appreciate the, the weight gain and, and what that looks like, but he's very raw. So you see, okay, this is why you brought him in. He's growing into his body. There's development here. There's physical athleticism that comes with that he has sustained through adding that kind of weight. But I thought he was very, very raw. I don't think he's, I think he's probably two years away from being two years away from actually taking NFL snaps right now. So, didn't get the UDFA gem on the offensive line that I was hoping to find, but potentially a couple other players in Christopher Brooks and Julian Hill and James Blackman that could be nice practice squad stashes for the Dolphins. I think the first two guys, Hill and Christopher Brooks, actually have some level of an NFL ceiling that, that kind of catches your attention to. We're going to go over to the defensive side of the ball, but before we do, got to tell you guys about our friends over at Built. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. It's a life hack you didn't know you need. If you're looking to eat healthy, grab and go, meal replacement, something for breakfast, post-workout, or just want to eat stuff that tastes good, go to built.com, pick yourself up a box. You can go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, get a four-bar box, or you can go to Sam's Club and get a 13-bar box in the pharmacy and grab yourself one on the way home and then still have a dozen left over with the 13-bar box, that's the greatest perk about going to Sam's Club and getting them as far as I'm concerned. So built the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, top of the market, life hack you didn't know you needed. Head over to built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club, get yourself a box. Defensively, 
We got a little bit of life here. Aubrey Miller. And if you're familiar with Aubrey Miller from Jackson State, it's probably not a big surprise to hear uh, that, that he kind of moves the needle for the Dolphins. He's a player that I don't think they have on the roster right now. It is discount version Elandon Roberts. I don't think he's as powerful as Elandon Roberts. I don't think he's as big as Elandon Roberts. But this dude hits like a Mack truck. He will plug gaps downhill. He is a big-time hitter, a big-time striker. And the Dolphins don't have this player on their roster. Think about their stack linebackers. It's Jerome Baker. It's David Long. It's Channing Tindall. And it's Duke Riley. Those are your stack off-ball linebackers right now for the Dolphins. Aubrey Miller fits the bill. He's played Mike Backer for Jackson State. He's been a highly productive player. He went down to the Senior Bowl and showcased himself very well at that event. He actually graded higher than Ryan Hayes. I gave a higher grade to Aubrey Miller than I did to Ryan Hayes. I also gave a higher grade to Christopher Brooks, the running back, than I give to Ryan Hayes. So those, those are two of the three undrafted free agents who scored higher than the Dolphins' last draft pick actually did. So, of course, running back and linebacker are devalued positions versus an offensive tackle. So if you're going to draft one of these players that are all in the same bucket, draft the offensive tackle to guarantee that you get him. I get it. Even though he might end up being a guard when it's all said and done too. But that's neither here nor there. Aubrey Miller, I think, of the players that we've acknowledged thus far, has the best inside track for Dolphins UDFA to actually make the roster. And it will depend on how much the Dolphins want to that special teams presence. Do you want that booming presence on special teams and that booming short yardage linebacker? Can he showcase enough from consistency in his processing and consistency in his reads and short yardage situations to get down into the right gap to be what Elena Roberts was? If the answer is yes, I think this guy's got a nice chance to make the team and carve himself out a nice little role for the Dolphins. Aubrey Miller from Jackson State. My next highest-rated defensive player is Garrett Nelson from Nebraska. Now, he and Ezekiel Vandenberg profile very similarly. They're adequate NFL-caliber athletes on the edge. They are both undersized. They are both short-armed. One of them played at FCS. One of them played at Nebraska. The one that played at Nebraska, in my eyes, showcased more versatility as a player. Garrett Nelson is dropping into zone coverage. He's turning and running and carrying tight ends down the field. Not that he's showcasing a super high level of an efficacy of doing it. If he was a better athlete, he'd been drafted. He's a sufficient NFL athlete. He rushes off the edge. They've put him in stack alignments. They've put him at three technique in Nebraska. He moved this down, dude around quite a bit. And the pass rush palette that he's illustrated is intriguing to me. I think he's more refined with his counters than Vandenberg is. I think Garrett Nelson wins a little more consistently with his hands, but they're both 31-inch arm players. You're not going to win a lot of hand-to-hand combat. You're not going to win a lot of pass rush counters in that regard. So versatility is kind of the key to unlocking. He's kind of a pseudo-Van Ginkle, but not as athletic and not even close. So that, to me, makes Garrett Nelson an interesting developmental stash-type player to see how high the football instincts can get him to fly. 
But he was much more productive in 2021 than he was in 2022. Likeable player, plays hard, not particularly effective against the run, gets locked down way too easily, gives up his chest, gets sealed in the run game. But I saw the same things in Vandenberg as a player. So for my money, I'd rather have Garrett Nelson, and I think Garrett Nelson is a better prospect by a fair margin than Vandenberg, even though Vandenberg has higher production. Because Vandenberg got his at FCS, got a lot of free runs off the edge. They're both high-motor players. I appreciate that about both of them, though. Brandon Peely uh, is the other name that I wanted to shout out from a defensive perspective. USC, look, you don't go to USC unless you're once upon a time were a big thing, right? But at 317 pounds, I saw the stature, and I kind of carved this certain expectation for what I was hoping to see in my head. And what I ended up getting was a player who I think when you do the background research, you'll understand why he is the way that he is. He suffered an Achilles tear, uh, and it cost him, seemed like it cost him a good amount of dynamic play. Now, he's pretty fluid for a 317-pound interior defensive lineman, but he's not overly bursty off the ball. I didn't see a lot of great gap control tendencies. I actually think he's a little bit more of a penetrator than he is a gap control type player, and that's fine. But if you don't have the burst and the get-off to go with it, then it kind of puts you in no man's land, and that's where I ended up finding myself on Brandon Peely, and I, I wish I hadn't felt that way. But uh, that, that's ultimately where I settled on, on Peely. I uh, was hoping maybe this would be your diamond in the rough nose tackle since we've seen Al Woods and Puna Ford come off the board in free agency in the last 48 hours to the Bills and Jets, respectively. Uh, but that didn't happen. Also, shout out to Eric Tomlinson was another player that I mentioned, a potential fit for the Dolphins. He signed with the Texans yesterday, so go figure. All you need to do is do some content on guys to potentially add, and, and the free agent market class will move. That's, that's tried and true. There's one other player that we need to talk about, and we're going to talk about him as we bring this episode of Locked on Dolphins to a close. Michael Turk, punter, Oklahoma, formerly of Arizona State. First of all, this dude's got a boomstick. He got big-time leg. He had a crazy ratio of punts versus punts actually returned last year for Oklahoma. Uh, he has a very healthy average for yards per punt. Uh, he actually has a YouTube channel, and he did a like a, a vlog about his draft day experience, which was kind of cool to, to kind of get him to, to pull back the curtain as a player who went undrafted, and he had a great perspective about the whole thing. So uh, very easily became a player that, that I found myself uh, rooting for just based off of getting a chance to, to see him with his family on draft day and, and share that with the world of the experience of being on the board and not getting drafted and you know having the right attitude and mindset to go with that. So uh, really impressed with, with who he was as a, a person through that because he showed it to us, but also from a punting performance. He punts, he holds. The Dolphins just made a punter change in Jake Bailey uh, in replacing Thomas Morstead. And I understand there's some financial commitments there, but it's a one-year deal. I think this would be an adequate level starting caliber punter right off the jump, and I think he could end up being a quality punter in the NFL. And for the Dolphins to have a player on a one-year deal who just pinballed around out of a divisional rival in New England, that's not something I scoff at. Now, 
I would still consider Bailey to be the favorite to finalize the job. But Michael Turk, I think, even more so than Aubrey Miller. Turk graded out as a better player than Ryan Hayes. Aubrey Miller graded out fractionally as a better player. But I think the pathway to getting on the roster for Turk is probably even less preventative than what Aubrey Miller has to face at linebacker. So now all of a sudden you're looking at, okay, you might have a rookie punter, undrafted rookie punter in Michael Turk. Don't know why he went undrafted. Don't know if it was teams that needed punters decided not to go that route. Obviously there were a couple of specialists that went. The Patriots traded up for a kicker and then drafted a punter in the same draft class. But Michael Turk, Aubrey Miller, and Christopher Brooks are my top-rated offensive, defensive, and special teams undrafted free agents at this point for the Dolphins, and I still have a couple players left to go. But the vast majority are done. And they all graded higher than Ryan Hayes. So you got to look at the rooms to be able to dictate the path to getting on the field. So if, if I had to give you my list, I would say it's Michael Turk, Aubrey Miller, and then probably Christopher Brooks would be the third most likely UDFA. So I, I think you have two, two UDFAs right now that have a reasonable chance to sneak onto this roster. The Turk's going to have to take it. Aubrey Miller, I think because of the depth of the linebacker room, might have a little bit more wiggle room along the way. There's just less players standing in Michael Turk's way. Interesting class. Uh, there's a couple of players who I think could develop into quality depth pieces, including Julian Hill and um, Christopher Brooks, Aubrey Miller. I, I don't think they're starters by any means. I think the only starter of this UDFA group is probably Michael Turk in the right situation. And that's fine. So long as you find one. You don't have to find any. It's house money. But get some stashes on that practice squad. I think the vast majority of these players, their ceiling probably is a fringe 53-man roster practice squad caliber player. But the ones that we spent the most time with talking about here are the ones that I have watched that I feel have a higher ceiling than that. Now, I still have to do Kedron Smith, the corner from Kentucky. And I know there's been some buzz on him. So we'll see what Kedron Smith brings us as well. Still have to do Randy Carlton or Charlton. Still have to do Bennett Williams. Still have to do Alana Ulave. Still have to do Anthony Montalvo. Still have to do Ethan Bonner. So a handful left, about a half dozen. So make sure you find out what I find out about them when we next talk about UDFAs here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Fins up. Keep it locked in here on Locked on Dolphins. Shout out to our everydayers who are plugged in and follow along with all of our content here on the show. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll be back to talk to you all again soon. Fins up.